Okay, uh, there are a couple things I'm going to run through here with you really quick, and I apologize for my absence today. Uh, but I just want to make sure that you guys are clear exactly on what my expectations were on a few of these things, including your uh, next observation. And with the observation, what I'm asking you to do as you read through the instructions there, uh, I gave you the link so you can take a look at uh, some of the ideas that uh, Daryl Huff discussed in his, uh, in his book that talks about the dangers of statistics. And then I'm going to ask you to do a little exploration. Uh, you're going to find two statistics that were used deliberately to mislead the public. Um, one of them, uh, I want it to be more of a political variety. The other one would be more commercial, so in advertising in terms of how they're going to present that. So I'd want you to have that tangible evidence that shows that this is how they used it, and this is what the actual statistic actually said. So you're going to want to have the uh, resources for that uh, and make sure you cite where these if this information is coming from. And just look at like what their intent was. Why were they trying to do that? How did they manipulate it to benefit their particular viewpoint? And then go from there. Then the other part of your observation is you're going to find a recent statistical report or survey or study that was done, and then find a way to use one of those uh, statistics to and manipulate it to present a certain perspective. Now, from there, you have a choice. Uh, if you want to experiment on some people, you can try and sell it that this is true or this is the actual perspective and then see how many people agree with you. Or you can simply present it as an idea and then see how many people believe it. It'll leave it entirely up to you in terms of how you want to approach it, uh, but that's how you're going to go, go about it. And I want you to present this to at least 10 different people and then keep track of how many believe it, why they believe it, or why they don't. Uh, and just in your observation report, you just need to discuss uh, what they're talking about with that. Okay, so that's what you're going to be doing for your observation. I'll have time on Wednesday to review that with you. I just want to make sure I got it out to you so you have time to do that. And then that would be Sunday at midnight uh, as usual. Now, back to your faculty SNAP assessment and what you're going to be doing here. I'm going to go over the PowerPoint uh, in terms of questions here really quick. But what I'm going to ask you to do is based off the information that you have from your initial assessment, you're going to craft some different types of questions to ask that teacher looking at their classroom style. And if you go to module two resources, there's an assignment and I give you some examples of types of questions you might want to ask, like uh, how do you develop your classroom style? Um, why did you choose a particular arrangement? Why does this hold significance in your classroom? Uh, or what pedagogical value this might have? Uh, do you like displaying student work or something along those lines? Or there's something particularly meaningful uh, that uh, connects back to you or what does this say about you to your kids. Those types of questions in terms of what you're looking at. Now, in terms of the survey questions, uh, as I mentioned, I was going to explain this to you. Uh, we would have talked about this in class if I had been there. Uh, but looking at the survey question lecture, um, there's a number of different types of questions you'd be looking at. The first one are what they call demographic or control questions. And I gave examples for you of the different types of criteria. Might be age, might be grade, might be gender, might be education level, might be location. Uh, but these are things that you use 
as filters for other information. So later on, you can sort by these categories, you know, what are the difference in opinion between guys and girls, or what are the difference in opinion between freshmen and sophomores, uh, and use that information to help filter out exactly what they're trying to say. Now, you can also look at open-ended versus closed-ended questions, and this kind of depends on what your goal is uh, and what information you're looking for. Obviously, closed-ended questions can be a challenge because you have to develop the answer set for them. Open-ended questions have their own set of issues because you never know how you're going to code that information or what type of information you might get. So it just kind of depends on what you're looking for in terms of quantitative versus qualitative data on what you're dealing with. Now, when you get to multiple choice surveys, there's one thing that I really want to emphasize. And if you get to the fifth slide, it talks about the issue of things being mutually exclusive and exhaustive on slide four. And on slide five, I kind of explain exactly what you mean. For something to be mutually exclusive, it means that there's only one possible answer for every person. Um, you look in the left-hand column, 18 to 25-year-olds, and then the next answer set would be 25 to 35-year-olds. Well, if you talk to a 25-year-old, which one will they pick? That is not mutually exclusive. Where on, if you look on the right-hand side, 18 to 24, 25 to 34, that 25-year-old knows exactly what group they're supposed to be in. Now, the other problem with the left-hand side is that it's not exhaustive that there are some people that would be below 18 or over 55 or just don't want to tell you what their age is, uh, the column on the right gives them an answer. Uh, so everybody is covered. Everyone only has one option. So that's a good uh, sample set in terms of multiple choice answers. Now, you also can run into what they call dichotomous questions. And these are simple questions that allow you to sort your respondents. And in many cases, they set up contingencies. For example, um, look at the idea of, have you ever bought that product? Yes or no. If you haven't, then you jump to another set of questions. I don't know if you've ever done any surveys like that. If you say yes, then they want to get your information. Another one, maybe have you, have you ever smoked? It'll ask yes. Then they might get into you know how early you started or how often you smoke or something along those lines. If you didn't, they jump to another set because you don't have that information that they're looking for. That's how dichotomous questions would work. Uh, they'll sort those respondents to find the ones that you actually want to get the information or feedback on. Now, when you get to the next set, uh, you're looking at your scaled questions. And there's a number of different varieties. Some of them you've probably already used or maybe have put together in your own surveys. Uh, a Likert scale is the one that uses the strongly agree, agree, neutral, disagree, strongly disagree. Uh, that's set up in that particular way. Your slider scale is the one kind of one to five, one being the worst, five being the best. How would you rate a particular environment? Uh, that type of thing. Uh, you can get into the rank order questions where you're actually going to specify this is my first choice, this is my second choice, this is my third choice. Uh, in that particular, when you deal with advertising, that's going to be common. Um, you have your staple scale, which can actually go negative to give you more detail in terms of how you view things both positively and negatively when it comes to statistics. Um, and then your semantic differential scale looks at the combination of a number of different factors uh, and how you're going to relate that in terms of satisfaction or whatever it might be. Um, now, you also can have what they call a constant sum survey question. And... You know, in a span of 24 hours, how will you use your time? So you've only got 24 hours to work with. How much do you allot to that? Or like in a six-hour period, if you need to study, 
how is that time going to be doled out to your different subjects? Uh, that's what you'd be looking at for a constant sum type of survey question. So, uh, as I said before, with your particular uh, questions, I, I'd shoot for at least five or six questions that you're going to ask your teacher. Uh, vary it up, and then in your faculty SNAP assessment report that you're going to post on, on Canvas, uh, make sure that you specify what questions you asked and, and give some detail in terms of what they said coming back because uh, that's going to be important to pro provide and include in there. So if you have any questions, let me know or shoot me an email. Otherwise, I'll see you guys on Wednesday.